0: Thank you for being here this morning, and we're going to be looking at 2 Peter today, so leave your Bible open to that. I want to share a thought with you I think will, will help us uh, this morning from this chapter. I mean, one of my favorite chapters, there's so much here you can get, particularly these middle verses, and I want to share that uh, with us. A lot of times when uh, we do things and we or get ourselves into trouble or have problems in our lives, <clears throat> it's not because we are violating something we don't know, it's usually because we violate something that we do know, right? You ever, you ever heard someone say, you know, they'll do something and it doesn't turn out well, and it's like, man, I knew better than that. Or I knew I shouldn't have done that. If you're married, you've probably said something, right? And as soon as it comes out of your mouth, it's like, that was a super bad idea, okay? Um, so our problem isn't that we don't know. The problem is that we, we struggle we struggle to, in the, in the pressures of life or situations of life, put into practice that the things that we know. It's almost like we lose them in that instance and it causes us trouble. One of the problems with our society and our technology and our social media and all the different things is, <clears throat> and I'm all for all of it by the way, is that it, we have shorter attention spans. You notice that? We, uh, you know, it's like you've got to stand on your head and, and to get people's attention. It didn't used to be that way, and I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to be the uh, get off my grass guy, that type of thing, although I don't like people walking on my lawn. But, um, well, because it's just taught us that there's always something newer, there's always something quicker out there, there's always something, and in our memories, I think we're starting to Struggle. But of all the things that you'll learn in life, of all the facts, all the information that comes flying our way, there are only a few things that are really foundational. There are only a few things that are really, you have to get these things right. You have to have these thoughts right because they're going to affect our lives. The thoughts that we know that, should, that we should follow in our life. The things that we should allow to guide us in our life. The truths that we should allow to lead us in everything that we do. The problem is we forget them. We forget them because we're not focusing on them, and we're not constantly and regularly being reminded of them. Peter is going to talk a little bit about that this morning. Peter is writing to a group of believers who were being really heavily persecuted. They were going through a lot of difficult trials and enduring tough circumstances. And by the way, Peter knew about that. He faced that in his life as well. But he starts off very early in the letter here in chapter 1, teaching them about the resources that they had available. And by the way, for all the problems we go through, for all the trials, for all the things we have to face, God's given us resources to get through those things. God has given us everything we, we need to live victoriously as a Christian, regardless of what is going on around us. He has given us the truth of the scripture. And not only that, he has given us the power of his spirit, which uses the truth of the scripture to allow us to do the things we're supposed to do and to be the people that we are supposed to be. Peter knew that his time was coming to an end. He references that. And as he's talking, it's almost like, I want to leave you with something that will help you going forward in your life. Look at verse 12, if you will, of chapter 1. He says, wherefore, I will not be negligent. In other words, he said, I'm going to tell you something. If I didn't tell you that, I'm not doing my job. I'm not not being what I should be. He goes, I'm not going to be negligent to put you always... In remembrance of these things. What things? We're going to look at them. The things he's just mentioned. He goes, yea, I think it meet. Oh, he says, I'm sorry, let me finish the verse. Though ye know them and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle why I'm still alive. To stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Knowing that shortly I must put off, put off this, my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Hath showed me. Peter knew as he was getting towards uh, the later stages of his life that it's coming to the end. But there's some things I want you to remember when I'm gone. There are some truths I want you to to not lose. And I want to make sure you understand these things before I go. And by the way, they already knew them. Look at verse 12. He says, Though you know them. Okay? He's not saying like, well, I taught this to you once and you don't need it again. You know this, but I want to make sure that you're getting it and it's front and center in your life. They were already established in them, he said, and be established in the present truth. You understand what he's saying? He says, I'm telling you some things here, and these things are not necessarily new, but these are things you need even though you know these truths and you're kind of living your lives by these truths. By the way, this is sidebar, do you know there are no new truths in the Bible? When someone gets up and says, I saw something, or God showed me something, and I've never heard it before, watch out, heresy alert. Now maybe, again, if you're a newer Christian, these things are new to you. But if somebody sees something in the Bible that no one's seen for 2,000 years, they're not seeing it. (laughs) Okay? But that's back to the regularly scheduled message message. So he's bringing them the truths of the Bible to their remembrance so that they would remain with them long term. That's important. That is what preaching and teaching is. It's a constant reminder of the things that God wants us to remember from the word of God. It's what it is. Listen, I've been been at this a, a long time. As I've mentioned in the past, you know, when I was a new Christian, I'd come to church, and, and I didn't grow up in church at all, and the pastor would get up and, like, turn to this Bible, and he's going to preach a message. I'm like, man, I've never been, I've never heard a message from that book. Or, wow, I've never heard someone preach from those verses, and I was excited. Listen, I can hear someone preach now, and I've, 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 I've read that passage hundreds of times. I've already probably heard someone preach a message from it, but you know what? still needed. It's still good. Because as Peter saying, I need to be brought into remembrance. We all do. That is why we should strive to read our Bibles regularly, so that they become a part of who we are. If you read your Bible on a regular basis, which we promote heavily around here, what you're going to read, uh, if you get up tomorrow and read, what you're going to read is, you've already read it, but it's still good. It's still needed. And God will still speak to you through it. That's why we need church. We need to be at a place, whether it's in Sunday school or in a service, where we're hearing the Word of God taught, where we're hearing it preached. Truths we've probably already heard, unless you're a new Christian, but truths we need to be encouraged in. Truths we need to be uh, 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 strengthened in. But he said that they needed to remember. His job was not to be negligent, but to bring some of these truths to their remembrance. But what truths? There were two areas here, I see, that I want to look over this morning. First of all, he was telling them to remember what God's divine power would give to them. He wanted them to remember that. Look at verse 2. He says, grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ our Lord. And then he's going to tell them some things, but he preferences this in verse 3. According as His divine power. What does that mean? That means God's power. That means the power that comes from God. We need that. This is the divine power that we need as Christians to live for God in this world. And let me just say this. You cannot live for God. You cannot be what God wants you to be unless we have his power. We can't do this on our own. By the way, if you think you can do it on your own, you're ready for a fall. Okay? You know, you, you, you've ever met people and it's like, you know, and, and they just seem so spiritual, like, wow, they have something I don't have. None of us have something nobody else has. We all have the same access to the same power. God. And if you can explain your life in your own, in your own power and power, your own strength, then it's not happening. It's got to be God doing things in our life. We need His divine power. But let me just say this. His power is, now listen to me, it is tied to His Word. It is. And I'm not trying to be mean spirit, or, or critical or whatever, but, you know, some churches say, oh, the Spirit just spoke and everything's going on. Listen, the Spirit speaks to His Word. Yes, sir. Yeah. The Spirit uses His Word. He gives us the power as we seek to live for him and we learn his word. He gives us the power to make that a part of our lives. It's not some spooky thing. But he mentions two areas where his divine power would help us. He talks, first of all, about the divine power of his principles to help them practically. Look at verse 3, what he's talking about. He says, according as his divine power hath given us, I love the next two words, all things. God didn't hold back on us. He's given us everything we need. All things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now, how do we do that? Through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue. See, one of the things that as a new Christian, and sometimes even older Christians, you struggle with, is the marriage of the spiritual life to my everyday life. The two are not supposed to be separated. If our practical life is a train wreck and says nothing about God, then our spiritual life, I'm saying this kindly, is not right because the two fit very nicely together. The more I spend time with God, the more I learn about God, the more that that is going to be a part of my life. It's just natural. Isn't that why he told us to be lights? That's not something we manufacture on our own. It's something that comes from us as we are allowing God to work in our lives. He talks about they pertain unto life. That's talking about the principles of daily life. That's what he's talking about. Has the Bible made any difference in the way you live day by day by day? Does it make any difference in what type of employee you are at work? I'm really kind of picking at us this morning. You really want to get convicted? Does it make any difference in the way you drive on the freeway? Moving on quickly. It's like I struggle with that one. Like, why would you cut me off? Don't you realize I'm in a hurry? Where are you going? Uh, Home? There you That was my spot. Come on, you know how it is. I teach my kids, like, look, if you're going to merge traffic and get in the other lane, don't put your turn signal on. That's just a signal to the other car to speed up. Okay, that's bad parenting. But our practical life. But not just that. He goes, he's given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. The principles, it teaches us the principles of a spiritual life. See, it talks about the practical things of life. By the way, Bible talks about... How you, how you handle your finances, what kind of person you are in business, what kind of employee you are, how do you deal with relationship, planning, family, the roles in your life. The Bible talks about all those practical things. By the way, why do we try to separate that? I, I don't understand that. Like, you know, I just went to church, and read my Bible, but, but when I get in my family, you, know, uh, you know, work is work and church is church. Family is family, church is church. This No, no, that's not how it is. Amen. Right? I mean, come on, there ought to be a difference. We used to play, uh, I used to play for years, I was on the, uh, we had a church softball team and we played in this league and, and it, it wasn't all Christian teams. And it was like, brother, we had to act like Christians. Right? That was a, and we'd, we'd ask the guys after the game, hey, you guys want to pray with us? Well, I remember we played this one team, and they were undefeated, and, and th- that was not the better year for us, and we played them, and, and, and we smoked them. And after the game, it's like, you guys want to pray with us? And they're like, no. So later on, <laughs> I was walking. They didn't see me. They were like in a little group talking, and I was walking by them to my car, and they're talking. one of the guys goes, man, the way we play today is we could have used the prayer. But listen, we, they knew we were from a church. Okay? We got to be careful. It should, but we also have a spiritual life, godliness. The Bible talks about how we should live spiritually. What are the details of all of that? It's in the scripture. God tells us about it. Also, he talks about our mental life, knowledge. Through the knowledge. We have to know Jesus Christ. We, we can't live the things we don't know. God, look, we want the Spirit to help us in our life and help us, help us get through problems of life, and yet we don't give Him any ammunition. You know what the Spirit's ammunition is? The truths of the Scripture. That's why we need to get in there. He talks about an honoring life. He calls us unto glory. By the way, that glory is not talking about glory for ourselves. Our lives ought to honor and glorify and point people to God. Whatsoever you do, do it all to the glory of God. It's not about us. And then he talks about the principles of a righteous life. Virtue. You know what virtue is? Virtue deals with the way that you live. Do you understand that? That's what virtue is about trying to live my life the way God would want me to. Understand this, that when I get serious about living for God, it will naturally require changes, practical, everyday changes in my life. Think of it this way. If if you're married, when I got married to my wife, I made a commitment, till death do us part. Do you know, once I made that commitment, once she made that commitment, and we, we moved it, we're living together now, that changed my life. I wasn't a single man anymore. Thank God for that. It wasn't just about me anymore. My Everything I do affects her. And everything she does affects me. And so that just requires changes. You know that. By the way, you start having children. By the way, that will make changes in your life. And when I got married and we started having children, I used to have a full head of hair. That changed. You ever hear people whine, well, my hair is turning gray, man. My hair was turning loose. I'll, color's not important. It's volume. Okay. I don't think it had anything to do with my family, but that's my cover story, and I'm sticking with it. Also, he talks about the divine power of his promises For our personal, and I'm going to use the word, holiness. Whereby our giving, verse 4, are given unto us, man I just love these, exceeding, it's like more than we deserve, great and precious promises, the Bible's full of them, that by these we might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. God gives us promises in his word, promises that help us in our life, promises that will mold us and make us into what he wants us to be, right? You know, we all like the, the you know, the footstep thing, and Jesus picks us up and carries us there in difficult times. Well, what about walking in his steps? What about being like him? We want him to do everything for us, and that's great, and he does, and I, I, I'm in on that but I also want to be like him. That's what he wants. You say, are you there? Don't ask my wife. She'll tell you the truth. I'm working on it, and so are you. And I hope that day by day, although we'll never be perfect, we're trying to be a little bit more like Jesus. And promises help us to be the Christians that we do be. He mentions divine nature. What is a divine nature? It's a manner of living outwardly, that matches the spiritual pers- person that we are in Christ. The divine nature, the nature of God. The, the, we're never going to be God, okay? That, that, that's, that's silly. That, that's not what we're saying. But we can take on his nature, right? Children sometimes take on the, the nature of their parents. Why? We have their, they have our DNA running through, their, through, running through their, their veins. And we ought to take on the, the nature of God. We are, our, our, our qualities in our life should be godly type qualities. He wants us to be like him. To make it simple, the divine nature of, is God working in us so we are more like Jesus Christ. By the way, he tells us in Romans that one of God's goals for us is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Put into a mold to be like Jesus what does that mean? Just in our, our, our values and our, our systems. You know, the sad thing about the state of Christianity in our nation is we're not very much like Christ anymore. Yeah. Amen. Amen. We want to go to church and, and throw the bumper sticker on the car and have the Bible covered. I'm not against any of that except for the bumper sticker because I've seen you drive. But, but it's like, do we want to be like him? You know, that used to be the marketing ploy, right? WWJD. What would Jesus do? That's a great little marketing thing, but do we do what Jesus did? That's why we want to find out. How would Jesus, and how do we find out what Jesus would want us to do? You ready? Do what the Bible says. He was the word of God in flesh. What does that mean? That means he is everything a person would be if they live the Bible 100%. He's our example. Yes, he was God, but he was 100% man. He was tempted in all all points like we were, yet without sin. And so he's our example. We can have his divine nature. And that helps us to escape corruption. That's a manner of life outwardly that follows a spiritual purpose and not fleshly passions. You know, I wish that, I I wish it was easy for us to kind of just stay away from sin. Are you with me? But we live in this flesh, right? Are you with me? And that, that just sometimes wants to do the wrong thing. Someone mistreats you. There's some situation and the pressure's on. The first thing, you, you don't think the first thing, praise God. You think, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show them. How dare you talk to me like that? That's our flesh. How about the, the things, the passions that our flesh wants to do that are just wrong? How do we escape those? Because we all fight it. We all have to face that. We do it because we have his divine nature. Understand that our fleshly passions are the opposite of and the enemy of our divine nature. And we've got to fight it, and we need God's divine power so we can be more like Christ and less like we want to be. Very important. And then secondly, he tells them that they need to remember what a diligent performance of the truth would give them. Look at verse six, 5. And besides this, giving all diligence add to your faith. Now you understand we're transitioning here. He's saying, here's God's divine power, and, and here's his precious promises, and here's what they will do for you in your life. But now he's, now he steps up and says, now it's your turn. You have to give a divine Diligence. You see, you know what we're looking for? We're looking for God just to come in and change us, and we don't want to change. We don't. Remember when I was, Pastor Esposito was trying to, when we were growing up, he was trying to get me to become a Christian and witness to me, and, and, and he made this statement, he says, when you get saved, the Holy Spirit's just going to change you completely. That's true, but I didn't understand it. So I got saved. Went to church, I was in high school, and on Easter Sunday, and they gave the gospel. I went down and talked to somebody, and I got saved. I remember I went home, and I'm like, I knew I was saved, because I know God had been dealing with the salvation. And I went home, and I'm in my room, I'm like, okay, the Holy Spirit's going to change me. I had no clue what that meant. And I was waiting. I didn't go back to church. And then I went out with my friends, and he didn't change me. I was doing the same thing. I'm like, how does this... I'm like, oh, well, it's just how it is. I didn't want to change. I didn't put the effort in. I wouldn't go to church. I wouldn't read my Bible. I wasn't even trying. It wasn't until God got a hold of my heart, and I'm like, I got to take this thing seriously. And although God does it in me, he requires me to put forth some effort. He said, and besides this, giving... All diligence, beside what? The promises and the power. My responsibility, give all diligence. Keep being serious about the truth. Now he said these were people that already knew the truth. These were people that were already established in the truth, and he's reminding them here, still be diligent. How do you do that? Add to your faith. Keep going forward. Don't stop. Don't be content with where you're at. Be satisfied with Jesus Christ. Be, be thankful for what God's doing in your life, but never be, satisf- uh, be, never be just con- uh, satisfied with that. You ought to want more. We can't take our foot off the spiritual pedal. Because when we take our foot off the spiritual pedal, we start to coast. And eventually, you'll stop. He's going to be very specific and mention some things that they need to solidify their faith. And the message isn't going over these things, but you need these. He talks about additions to the faith. Look what he says in verse 5. Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, and to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. These are additions to your faith. That means after your salvation. So once we're saved, I've I've mentioned it over and over. That's not the end all. Well, I've met Jesus Christ. He saved me, and now I'm on my way to heaven. That's not the end. That's the beginning. Now you have a faith. And now he says, from that point forward, go forward and add some things to your faith. Don't end there. Well, I'm saved. Okay, I was saved for two years. I did nothing wasn't until after that, and God had to get a hold of my heart through some circumstances where I said, it's time to add to my faith. And he mentioned some very specific things. You, by the way, you can't grow in your faith until you have it. And once you have a faith, really, it should be a, a, a natural occurrence. But I also want you to see this. These additions were orderly. They were. Add to your faith what? Virtue. He didn't say, add to your faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, and all, brother, all whatever. He didn't say that. Add to your faith virtue, then add to your virtue knowledge, and it's step, it's sequential, right? Sometimes what we do as Christians, we want it all at once. By the way, if you think that, man, I got saved, I'm growing, and and you're never going to have a little, you're setting yourself up for failure. And then we have some little trip up, And Satan comes and says, what a loser. Man, how dare you even try? And so we say, man, I was doing so well and I tripped up. And I'm not for tripping up. But it happens. Instead of stopping and saying, hey, wait a minute. Look at how much distance I've gained. So I just get up and let's go forward. Sequential. It's orderly. Growth is like that. We're constantly adding new things. It was so easy. When I first got saved, when I first got right with God, I I went in my room and and all the garbage in there and stuff hanging on the wall and all that nonsense, it all came down. All the nonsense I was listening to that was holding me back, I threw it all out. Some of the things I was doing, I just stopped going, stopped doing those things. Some of the people I hung around with, which were tearing me down and taking me around, I quit hanging with them. Now, I took them to church and things like that, but I wasn't going to go where they were going. I wasn't going to do what we used to be doing. And it's like the outward stuff was like, okay, we're making progress here. God's like, no, 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 you got a long way to go, cowboy. How about that attitude? I'm like, yeah, but I took the stuff off the wall. I'm not looking at those things anymore. Yeah, but look at how you treated that person. Yeah, but I'm going to church. No, he starts digging deeper. You never stop. Look at these additions. They are so practical. Virtue we already talked about. That's how we live. Knowledge, that's when we make the effort to grow in, in, in the scripture and knowing things. Temperance, that is an effort to, to be under the Spirit's control, God's control. You could call it self-control, but you're never going to be self-controlled unless the Spirit is working in your life. That's having a little bit of, a, a little bit of, of character and, and that type of thing. Patience, that's an effort to be constrained. That's like saying something nice when you want to say something mean. You with me? Apparently you are because no one liked that one. That's godliness. That's the effort to imitate Christ. Brotherly kindness. That's the effort to care with your brethren, your Christians, friends, the church members. There's one place love ought to flow one to another. It's church. And then charity. That's just loving everybody for the sake of Christ. You know, I usually don't need people to tell me what they believe or that they believe. You can usually see it in their life. You can. Some people, you'd be shocked. I, I Look, I, I, before I was younger, I'd work all these places. Wherever I'd work in the secular world, I just, I'd always try to find a way to say, hey, I'm a Christian. Okay? Why did I? I, just, I wanted them to know. But you know what happened? Almost everywhere I worked, they'd come up to me. Someone would come to me and say, you're a Christian? I'm like, yeah. It's like, that guy over there is a Christian too, and he's the laziest guy in the crew. I'm like, look, I'm not not like the priest. Don't come tell me stuff. Okay? None of us are perfect, but we ought to try. By the way, people are a lot more, people are a lot more forgiving if you do try. But then he talks about if we do these things, we'll have an abundance of fruit. Look at verse 8. For if... If these things be in you, all these different steps of growth and your addition to your faith and going forward and God's divine power, buying into his principles, trying to be the person you're supposed to be, and abound, they make that ye shall neither, neither, neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. When I, when I say that word barren, I always think of like the desert, right? Anybody here, you like the desert? You have probably other issues too. Desert. It's dry. It's like dirt. Tumbleweeds. Man, I like lush and green. And like, but, but he's talking about fruit. He says, you'll be fruit. You won't be barren. There will be fruit in your life, particularly in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things, you don't have them. He's blind and cannot see far off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his sins. That's like an ouch. But what he's talking about is fruitfulness. That what is God doing in your life? I don't know about you, but if God offers more, I'll take it. You know, it's like, look, you want you want 100 bucks or you want 500 bucks? 5. Right? That's more. You want, you know, you want you want a piece of steak, or you want a piece of steak and mashed potatoes and gravy? Common sense. You know, you want a Ford or a Dodge? Common sense. Take the Ford. Just kidding. The Dodge. You want McDonald's, or you want um, a Fleming Steakhouse? Felt something. I felt something. You know what it was? <laughs> Your checkbook going Negative. God offers fruitfulness. He offers the best. I'll take it. God wants to work in your life far more than you want Him to work in your life. He really does. And He's provided everything we need. What happens if we do that and I'll be done? Look at verse 10. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. And I love this promise. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Following God's truth, growing in our faith, remembering what we've learned, strengthens our foundation and guarantees we will not fall away from God. I say, Pastor, I want to live for God, but there's a little struggle there. You know what you need to do? You need to be dedicated to growing in your faith and making the additions and doing the things God calls you to do. That's it. And it's step by step. You don't have to get to the, look, if you're running a marathon, you're going to get discouraged if you're thinking about the finish line after one hour. I'm sorry, no, not one hour. (laughs) Give me five minutes. I I don't even want to drive a marathon. You know, after one mile, you have 25 point whatever it is. That's nuts. You know what it is? Let Let me get to the next checkpoint. Let me get to that next checkpoint. Let me see what's going on. Let me keep going forward. If you get in the water thinking 26 point whatever, that's ridiculous. But if you're like, let's just start the race and let's go. Let's make progress. See, that's how it is as a Christian. We're always making progress. But let's just keep going forward. Let's, and how do we do that? We've got to remember the truths of God. We have to constantly be in the scripture. We've got to constantly remind reminded of these things that it's not on us. We forget them so easily. I hope that's your goal. If that's not your goal, make that your goal to follow God, and to be reminded of what he wants to do in your life. Let's all bow our head and close our eyes for a minute, if we may. Every head bowed and every eye closed, just for one minute. I want us to ponder this. I don't just want, I want to reach, I want to reach, I want our church to reach everybody we can, really, I do. But I don't just want a bunch of people in church. I want people who are experiencing God in their life. I want a people that, I want, I want us to be a church of individuals that, that we can see God doing things in our life. By the way, that's an encouragement. And when you see God do something in your life and you make a step of growth and God honors that, man, it is nothing more exciting than that. But we have to constantly be put in remembrance of these things. We've got to constantly remember everything goes back to the Bible. Everything goes back to the Bible. That I I just, there's no way around it. You cannot have the relationship with God. You cannot have the relationship with Christ that God wants you to have if you do not have a strong relationship with His Word. You can't. But boy, the possibilities that are there when you do. What are you struggling with today? Say, Pastor, I'm coming into church and, There are some relationships in my life that aren't right, and I want to get them right. Hey, your relationship with God will help with that. There are some struggles I have. I'm trying to get through these things, and it just seems that the harder I work, the harder it is. Could it be you're doing it on your own? Boy, the Word of God is so wonderful. The Spirit of God will use that truth to help you to break through today. But we have to avail ourselves of the resource. Maybe you're here this morning and you cannot partake of the divine nature of God because you're not one of His. And by that, here's what I mean you're not a Christian. Pastor, how do I figure that out? Here's the question Are you 100% sure that if you were to die, heaven would be your home? Or do you have some doubt? Many years ago on Easter Sunday, I heard that question, and I had doubt. With nobody look around, if you'd say, you know, Pastor, that's me. I'm not 100% for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. I'm not, I have doubt, but that's something I'd like to know. Pastor, would you pray for me, anybody like that? I'll Nobody look around, raise your hand, and I'll acknowledge it and pray for you. Anybody at all, anybody at all. Let's stand together, if we may piano's going to play. If God spoke to you about anything, the altar's open if you'd like to come pray. Maybe you have a great relationship with the Bible, and it's like, Lord, I want to make sure I stay solidified in my Bible. It is so easy to neglect it, isn't it? We know it's the Word of God. We know it's what God wants in our life, and I'm like you, the flesh and the pressures of life. It's so easy, but we want to fight that.